Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. We're going to continue our series of podcasts called Sermon Extras. We have finished the book of Colossians, and now we decided to go through the book of 1 John with our church people. And we looked at the first four verses of 1 John chapter 1 this past Sunday, and we titled our lesson, Jesus Changes Everything. And for those who really have Christ and follow Christ, you know that he does. You know that Jesus changes everything for you. Um, You know what the experience is like before Jesus, unless you were really, really young when you came to Christ. But most of us at least remember part of that. But you obviously know that Christ makes a profound difference in your life when you have him because you know what that day-to-day experience is like and you know what you would be like without it. If Christ wasn't teaching you and guiding you and protecting you and providing for you, you know how profound his impact is upon your life. And yet, unfortunately, I think there's many in our culture in this day and age that have a third-party Christianity. They haven't really experienced the true Jesus. They've just been around Christians and Christianity long enough to learn the system, learn what to say, how to dress, uh, learn certain passages of the scripture. Uh, They post little verses and little memes on Facebook to make it look like they have it all together. And I know this because I did this as a young man. I I learned my mid twenties up to that point, how to, how to do the thing, how to do the Christian life. And I had myself and many others fooled into thinking that I must have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. But unfortunately it wasn't about till age 26 that I really tasted of Christ for the first time. And from that point on, everything did change for me. So unfortunately we have a a foe and a devil We have Satan who's trying to do all that he can to give us a forgery of Christianity and of Jesus Christ today. And it was interesting, just to illustrate this point, I came across this video online the one day, and it was, um, there's a fake iPhone 10 out there. Apparently it's made by a Chinese company, and (laughs) they're trying to pass these iPhone 10s, these fake ones, off as the real deal. And so I was watching this video, and this guy was unboxing this thing, And he was looking at it, you know, trying to inspect it to see how close it was to the real thing. And from the initial look at it, it looks pretty close. Uh, You know, it's got the same type of box. They've designed the outward hardware the same. So it looks very, very similar to the iPhone 10. And so, you know, without a trained eye, you might think, oh, my word, I got myself a bargain here. I only paid a fraction of the cost for this iPhone 10 from China. But upon further inspection, uh, this guy found out pretty quickly that this had nothing to do with iPhone 10. It had Android running on it. It was just running a skin or something like that of iPhone. And also the camera and the speaker quality and the web browser uh, were very, very bad quality. Uh, Not something you'd find in a thousand dollar (laughs) phone. But I I thought that was interesting that um, even today in our age, there are people trying to pass along forgeries as the real thing. I mean, that's, that's not new. That's been happening for generations. But people are getting quite good at it. They're learning exactly how the thing looks, what the thing should sound like, what the thing, you know, should look like according to your eyes. And then they're trying to pass that off as the real thing. Well, the devil is doing that exact thing in Christianity. He's learning how to package a third party Christianity to you where you think you've experienced the real Jesus. And we went over that on Sunday, so I'm not really here to talk about that too much. What I want to talk about today is how do we know that Jesus is the real thing, the true Jesus, not even in the forgery. How do you and I know that the Jesus Christ that is talked about and mentioned in scripture is really the savior? 
how do we know he's really the son of God? Because that was the question back in the day, too, when Jesus was walking and talking and teaching, is a lot of people believed and followed Jesus, and there were a lot of people who, who didn't believe and rejected him and said, no way, you're not the Messiah. We expected the Messiah to, to do this. He was going to look like a king. He was going to set up his throne. He was going to you know take away the tyranny of, of the Romans and establish Jerusalem, and Jesus didn't do any of those things. And it was kind of confusing to a lot of people in the day why Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, because it wasn't what they expected. And all those people had the wrong view of Jesus. It wasn't the fault on Jesus. It was the fault on people who didn't understand what he really came to do and what really what he was going to look like based on scripture. However, it did have me thinking about this, going, how do you and I know if Jesus really is the Lord? Because it all hinges upon that. That if we don't have the true Jesus or we don't have the true Messiah, then we're wasting our time. In fact, it's even worse than that. We're putting our hopes and our peace and our love and happiness upon someone who can't do anything for us. But as a believer, I believe Jesus really is the Son of God and really is the Savior of the world. In fact, I know that he is. And I want to go over 10 things very quickly, not going to linger here too long, of proofs that Jesus really is the Son of God. And I have a hope for us that not only will we believe these things based on our own experience with Jesus, but based on the proofs as well that I'll mention here, but also that because of the proofs and because of our real testimony, we will follow Jesus with our lives because that's the whole point is not only that we believe with an academic assertion that Jesus Christ is the son of God, but that we believe practically because Jesus said some very strong things. And he basically said, I want you to follow me and I want you to renounce everything else. I want you to give up all of these sins. I want you to give up your family members. If you need to give up your jobs, if you need to, I want you to abandon all. And I want you to follow me. That's a strong statement for someone to make. And so in order for us to do that, you've got to really be sure. And I think that's a good thing. I think if you and I just take some third-party experience for Christianity, I don't think that's going to be good enough. I don't think it's wise to do that. We need to look at the proof. And so I want to walk through 10 things here very quickly. That is proof of Jesus' deity, proof that he is the Son of God, proof that he is the Messiah. And hopefully, if you needed to, cement it in your mind that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he is. And that you and I should abandon everything and give our lives to him. So let's just go over these 10 things quickly. The first one is that Jesus' teachings had authority. When he taught, even the, the people that were just following him uh, noticed a difference in Jesus' teachings versus even the scribes. And the scribes were these guys who knew the law and, and poured over the Old Testament. And they were very qualified, very good teachers. But when Jesus taught, and you have to remember, Jesus was not a rich man. He was not a powerful man. He was a man... You know, born to Mary and Joseph, he grew up poor, he was meek, he wasn't dressed in any royal garb, he didn't have any doctorates or anything like that. But when Jesus taught, his words had authority, and the people noticed that there was something different about Jesus when he taught, something above even the scribes. And that's the first proof, is that Jesus' teachings had authority in them. Jesus knew more, Jesus was able to expound on things that people had never known up to that point. And that's a really powerful proof that Jesus is the Son of God, is that his teachings had authority as if it was God himself speaking. That's number one. Number two is that Jesus' message was all about love and not greed. If you know anything about the modern day cults and the cult leaders, the people who follow these people, after you do some digging with these people, you realized all of these cult leaders were all about themselves. 
it was all about money and greed and sex and fame, and they just wanted to make a legacy for themselves. And Jesus' message was completely different. His message was all about love, was all about loving one another, was all about caring for the needy, looking out for the fatherless and the widows. And that is not common with people who try to get a following. Usually it's about money and sex and greed and things like that. And Jesus' message was all about love, which is very, very holy and unique. That's not what you'd expect from a guy who's supposedly supposed to be a cult leader. And obviously we know he's not the cult leader. He was the son of God and he came with a message from God. And that message was stamped when Jesus lived for other people and for the message of the gospel. So that's proof number two. Proof number three is that Jesus knew the scriptures the Bible, the Old Testament, the Old Testament system and law, he knew it backwards and forwards, more than the scribes, more than the guys who studied it all the time and went to school for it and poured over these things. And Jesus knew them backwards and forwards. And not only that, but he fulfilled the scriptures. So exactly as the Old Testament prophesied, Jesus himself fulfilled those things with his own teachings and doings. And that's a very powerful testimony is that not, not only did Jesus know the scripture and even in, in conflict with another person who really know the scriptures, Jesus came out on top as if to say, I know way more than you do. <laughs> and those people were shamed every time they tried to trip and trap Jesus as if to say, you don't know the Old Testament. You don't know the scriptures. They were the ones that were actually shamed because Jesus knew them backwards and forwards. But not only that, he fulfilled them. He was the manifestation of all of the things that the Old Testament was leading up to. And for you and I, that's a very big proof that he is the coming Messiah. He was the one that was foretold of for thousands and thousands of years that Jesus came and fulfilled the scripture. So that's proof number three. Number four, Jesus did thousands of miracles with thousands of eyewitnesses and testimonies. I mean, it's countless. The last verse of the Gospel of John says, if all of the deeds from Jesus had to be recorded, he said, I don't think all the books in the entire world would be enough to hold them. And John was a firsthand witness of how much Jesus did. So Jesus, even in this one encounter, said to the person he was talking to, if you don't believe in my words, believe in my works. As if to say, look what I'm capable of. Look at what I'm doing. Look at the power and the authority that's within me and believe in that. And that should cause you to understand that who I am is real and authentic and from God. So Jesus did thousands of miracles. Even the people who hated them saw them do things, saw Jesus do things they couldn't explain. Over and over and over. And there were thousands of eyewitnesses to this and thousands of testimonies of people who were blind and now could see, who were lame and now could walk, who were dead and now were raised back to life. That stamps Jesus more than anything is that he had the power of God upon him. No cult leader has ever had that testimony with him. So Jesus obviously was proving that he was from God. That's proof number four. Number five is that he was willing to die for his message. He was willing to give his life for that message. And he, not only was he willing to die, but he didn't even make so much as a defense for that. When he was brought to trial, he just let it happen to him. And if Jesus had ulterior motives, that he, they would have come out during that time. When a threat of death would come to you and you really were a fraud, that would have been found out. But it wasn't because Jesus continued his course. He didn't bring up a defense. He didn't argue the cause. He just let death come to him because that was the plan of God. And that's proof number five. Number six, 
is that while Jesus was dying on the cross, this is a, an, an historic account, the sky went dark, pitch black for three hours in the middle of the day. And I have been alive for 38 years now and I've never seen anything like that. The only time that that is even sort of close is when there's a really bad storm, but it happens gradually. It comes upon with the dark clouds and the rain and stuff like that. This was just daylight. And all of a sudden for three straight hours, it was pitch black as if it was the middle of the night. And the symbolism there is God the Father turning his back on Jesus because he's paying for the sins of mankind. But that had to be a wild scene. That while Jesus is dying, the sky goes dark. And we know the rest of the story. The the curtain of the temple was torn in two. You know, lots of people who were in the grave came to life. And Jesus, three days later, in fact, that's the next proof. Jesus arose from the dead. Jesus did die. For three days he was in the grave. And then three days later, he came out of the grave, alive, as if he never died. And there were 500 witnesses that saw Jesus after the fact. And imagine what a powerful testimony and proof that is to say, Jesus, we all saw him die. He was on the cross. He was dead. He was buried. He was entombed. And yet three days later, he was walking around alive with the wounds in his hands and his feet. What a very powerful testimony that is of Jesus' deity and Jesus' fact that he is the Messiah, who was not supposed to stay dead, but was to raise from the dead. So that's proof number uh, seven. Proof number eight is that Jesus' apostles, after Jesus arose and went back to heaven, he gave this power to his apostles. So all of these people who received the Holy Spirit there at Pentecost, if you read the book of Acts of the Apostles, these people are now walking around teaching the same message of Jesus. And guess what? They too have the power of Jesus. They can heal people. They can cast out demons. They can do almost exactly the same works that Jesus did. In fact, now it's not just one guy doing it. Now it's dozens and dozens of people doing it. And that's a really powerful testimony is that Jesus' impact upon the apostles kept going and going and going. The power of God was even on these men who followed Jesus. And again, there really were a lot of naysayers back in the day, but they really didn't know how to explain this. That Jesus' apostles could cure and heal the sick and the demon-possessed. That's another really powerful proof. Number nine is that the demons even confess to know Jesus. In this one passage in Acts chapter 19, this, this man is trying to do similar deeds that the apostles are doing because he wants the fame, he wants the power, he wants to gain money out of these things. So he tries to cast out this demon, and this demon confronts this guy and says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? As if to say, uh, you have no impact. I don't know your testimony, I don't know who you are. But he said, while he's talking to this man, Jesus, I know. Jesus, I've encountered. Jesus, I'm aware of his power. Even the demon shouted that out loud. Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? So even the demons, the dark spirits confess that Jesus is the son of God. That's a really, really powerful proof. And then number 10, and this one hopefully, hopefully is personal for you, is that those who trust in Jesus Christ are changed profoundly forever. That those who encounter Jesus Christ and have him manifest to their soul change. They change profoundly. They have new loves. They have new hates. It's called new birth. It's as if they're a totally different person. And Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, was one of those people. But I also am one of those people. That before I met Jesus Christ and encountered his saving grace, I was walking completely differently than I am now. And although I'm not perfect, there is a profound, distinct change. 
and maybe these things are rudimentary for you. Maybe they're already so cemented in your mind, but you and I must know that Jesus is real. Because if Jesus isn't real and we're basing our entire eternal hope on him, that's a big fumble. But if Jesus is real and we know that he's real and there's so much proof and evidence of his deity and the fact that he is the Messiah, then there's one very specific thing you and I should do. And John brings it up in the first part of 1 John 1. He says the reason he's saying these things is so that you and I may have fellowship with one another. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, if Jesus is real and he is, give Jesus everything. If Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah and the one who was prophesied about for thousands of years and God's chosen one and the Savior of the world and the Lord of lords and the King of kings, then exactly as Jesus taught you to do is exactly how you should live because he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And to miss out on following Jesus would be the greatest fumble of all time. But you and I, again, cannot have a third-party Christianity. We must have a first-hand experience of Jesus. You must not know only these things academically. You must know them experientially by believing and following Jesus Christ. But you need to be convinced. And you need to know that you don't have a forgery. You need to know that you're not following some part of Christianity or someone's testimony of Christianity. You need to know the real and true Jesus, because when you know him, he changes everything. And I pray that you'll think about this today. Pray that you understand the authenticity of Jesus, the fact that he is who he said he is, and that when you and I follow him, we get to heaven. We please God. We live for the reason we were created and redeemed to live. But you need to know that personally, just like I know it personally. And no one can talk me out of it because I've experienced it so profoundly. Have you? Have you experienced the true Jesus so profoundly? Think about that. Don't let any forgery hold you. Don't let any neglect of Jesus keep you. Learn of him. Taste of him. Know him. And follow him for the rest of your life. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.